Good morning. I'm Pastor Reg Taves. I'm here as the transitional lead pastor at Forest Grove Community Church, and it's my pleasure to welcome you this morning to the Atrish site. We're having communion later this morning, so if you need one of these, uh, if you could just slip up your hand and our ushers will make sure that you have one. You should have got one when you came in the door. I'm going to set mine there, and the last time I did, it disappeared, so hopefully it won't this time around. Uh, It's good. This morning as we gather, the songs that we've been singing have just led us into surrender, listening, uh, having a posture of listening. And as we are working through the Psalms this summer, and we're not sort of doing them one at a time, we're picking them here and there. This week I chose Psalm 90 as a psalm that would help us look at what is, our, what is a perspective on life. Uh, all of you will have a perspective on life. Uh, some of you will think, oh, light, God has dealt me a rough hand, or my life is pretty good, or I just don't know what's coming around the next corner, or this is a dark season, or I'm celebrating something that God has done. All of us join together this morning in a different space. And I want us to spend some time this morning looking at this particular psalm because I believe it gives us a perspective on life that God wants us to have and that as we explore it, we will see that it really encapsulates everything that you could think of in life. So the psalm talks about uh, agriculture in one section, and I think that agriculture is a great way to look at life. Agriculture is a really good way to look at life, and particularly if you live here in Saskatchewan, you have four very distinct seasons. So I know for, for you, this is summer, and this is like we, when summer comes, you, you milk summer for all it's worth. I mean, there isn't a weekend that goes by where there isn't something big happening in Saskatoon. Yesterday we were out, and I mean, I was just out, it's like, oh, there's this Ukrainian festival that's happening down by the river. So there's always something that's going on, and so you milk this particular season. But when you think about all the seasons that are there, they really are a great perspective on life. You have new growth that happens in spring where everything looks lifeless and dull and then growth starts to poke through. And summertime is now, it's a time of producing. And at times, it can be even stress from the heat. Uh, fall is this time of harvest and seeing what's happened from spring until fall. And then you get that winter, which is a time that reminds us of death. <laughs> so some of you just say, I am not dealing with that. I am running away. And you leave us all behind and go someplace warm and sunny. But that's not for most of us. We're here, it's cold, it's dark, and we learn to deal with it. Well, one of the things that I enjoy doing is I enjoy gardening. Now, my wife likes to do the pretty things, flowers and such. I like to do sort of like the other more useful things. I'm just saying, it's more pragmatic. Maybe not. I'll deal with that later, I'm sure. Uh, so one of the things that I do is in the fall, in where we are, and I think you can do it here too, but in the fall, I plant garlic. So if you looked at our newsletter this week, it showed, me, it showed our, the, the bed where I had put the garlic in, and we were, I was harvesting it, 
And so I plant garlic in about October and fertilize it in, and then I fertilize it throughout the winter in Saskatchewan. No, I, I fertilize it in Chilliwack, where I can put fertilizer on it. It actually works, and it grows the garlic. And so as I put one clove in that's about that size, I get something that looks like that in the end. So this is red Russian. And uh, I want to give one of these away this morning here. So if, if there's anybody here this morning who for the very first time planted a vegetable garden, anybody here for the first time planted a vegetable? Come on, there's got to be somebody. No. How many of you? Oh, there, right there. Okay, this is yours. You can come get it afterwards. You don't have to come up now. Now, if you're online, if you're online, the first person in the chat to type in the word garlic will make sure that you get one. All right? So it's easier. The people online, it's way easier to get garlic from me. Uh, so that's what, I, that's what I love to do. This, as I was home a couple of weeks ago, I harvested it, cleaned it, got it ready for you, and so I brought a bag with me. As we look at Psalm 90, we're going to look at this whole idea of seasons of life. And you need to know that as we look at this psalm, and so I hope you're there in your Bible or on your app and you're ready to look at this, it, the, the writer isn't, we always think the psalms have been written by David. This one has been written by Moses. So you need to sort of shift your thinking and go, Moses, when did he write this psalm? And my suggestion is he wrote it in the context of their wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They're wandering. And why are they wandering? Well, we're going to find out. They're wandering because they'd rejected the land of promise, and we'll dive into that a bit later. So let's read Psalm 90 uh, together this morning. I'll read it for us. I'm reading from the New International Version. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Let's pray together. Father, as we have read your word, it is a powerful word. It is a living word. Lord, I pray that we would open our eyes and our ears 
and our thoughts to receive from you what you have for us this morning. For we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, let's dive right into this. As we look at the first two verses, we see our place in time. Moses starts out this, and, and as he's writing this, he's looking around. I'm sure they're walking through the wilderness, and he just says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place for how long? Through all the generations. So he's looking back, he's looking forward, and he's saying, God, in our life, you have been our God. And he puts God out there. And all the generations. Now, why would he use the word generations? Because a generation was going to actually die in the wilderness, and a new generation was going to be raised up. So he's talking about generations. And then in verse 2, he talks about the, before the mountains were born. So we think he's there wandering around and, and we don't say the word desert, it's wilderness, it's actually there's mountains. And so they're looking at the mountains, and as he's looking, he's saying, before these mountains even existed, you existed. And you will exist when everything else is gone. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. There's this pointing forward, this pointing backward. And that is this amazing perspective on life that we need to hold on to, that God exists he exists before us and he will exist after us. And that this life is fleeting, and that's sort of what he gets to. He talks to us about time. Our place is now, and yet in God's eyes, it seems really short. He reflects, uh, Moses reflects on this in Deuteronomy 33, the beginning of verse 27. He says, the eternal God is our refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. That comfort, that rest that we find in God as we focus in on Him. So what a great way to start this psalm. This could be like, this could be it. We could just preach these two verses and just sit here and ponder and consider what is it like to worship a God who is from everlasting to everlasting. To worship a God who shows himself to every single generation. Yet there's more perspective. Our life, we give our life in time. Here's a deeper context. So Moses kind of takes us to an, another level. And I want to give you a bit more of the context of how he's writing and where he's writing this. And it's found in Numbers 14, and you can read more of the story if you wish, but I'm just going to quote two verses, and they'll come up on the screen, where it says, For 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days you explored the land. So they had gone into the promised land, the land God had promised the nation. Twelve men had gone in, they'd looked at the land. Ten of them came back saying, no, we can't go. Two of them said, we should go. The majority went out, and God now says, you didn't listen to me because I was going to go in there and I would provide for you. So he says this, one year for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what is like to have me against you. I, the Lord, have spoken and will surely do these things to this whole wicked community, which is banded together against me. They will meet their end in this wilderness. Here they will die. And the time of darkness... Now, as you read this, this psalm, like, it's, it, this psalm's heavy. Like, can we just admit it? Like, there's some stuff here. It's like, I would prefer not to preach this. I would like to preach really good stuff, easy stuff that's just like, God is for us. God is with us. And he is. But there's times where also God is 
for us in the way of saying the direction you're going is actually not the direction you should go. And there's this following as we read into this. He's reading this and he's reading it and writing this in this context. You turn people back to dust. Right? So there's this perspective of who are we? We recognize that we're mortal. Now how many of you recognize that you're mortal? Some of you don't. If you're 20, you think you're immortal. But let me tell you that when you get to be my age, you figure out mortality pretty quickly. This, uh, this week, I, I actually went on a hike with my daughter, who's 36. I can't believe I said that out loud. Uh, that I don't, I'm, not young, I'm not old enough to have a daughter who's 36. Uh, but we went on this hike, and it's, uh, it's 13 and a half kilometers round trip, 1,000 meters of elevation gain. You know, when we got back the next day, it's like, I need two days to recover from this hike. She was probably ready to go the next day. But that just shows me my mortality. Hopefully it shows you yours too, that, that there's this weakness in us. I actually have on my desk at home, I have a jar of dirt. And I have a jar of dirt because it reminds me that that's what I'm going back to. My physical body is going back to that dirt. My spiritual presence is going to end up with God, but my body is going to break down. We recognize that our bodies are actually in that space of moving toward death. In verse 4, we see a perspective of time. For, for us, the time looks long, but to God, the time looks short. So there's this comparison. Forty years for Moses felt like a long time to wander around in the wilderness, waiting for all of this generation to simply die. Notice what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, where he says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. A lot can happen in a day. And a thousand years are like a day. A day is really short, a thousand years. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is patient so there's this sense of timing, a perspective on timing. So a day can, a lot can happen in a day. But with God, a day or a thousand years can be like a day for him. Notice that Peter encourages us with God's promises. Even as we read about the timing, he says God is patient with us. He desires relationship with us that comes through repentance. Turning and facing God is what repentance is. In verses 5 and 6 of Psalm 90, we get a perspective of growth uh, where, where he starts with, you sweep people away in the sleep of death. And I'm, I'm sure maybe it was every single day as they were in the wilderness, they were doing funerals. Like to me, that would be difficult. That'd be hard. Be a downer. But every day they're burying people. And he would, he's writing in that context, like every, every day you sweep away people in the sleep, in the sleep of death. And then he uses this example from agriculture. They're like new grass in the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it's dry. It doesn't get enough moisture. So there's this perspective of growth. We understand that. Things grow every year. You don't expect your tomato plants to grow through the winter. You know there's a season. And so life is that. It is, there's this season of life. And we know that there's a beginning and that there's going to be an end. 
There's a perspective now from God in verses 7 and 8 and verse 11 where it talks about our, our sins, where he's writing, we're consumed by your anger, terrified by your indignation. You set our iniquities, that's the word sins, before you are secret sins in the light of your presence. He's talking about this is God's perspective and God's looking and he sees us for who we really are. You see, God isn't afraid to look at us and see who we are. Now, God wants, doesn't want to leave us there, but he sees us. So if you ever wonder, does God know who you really are? The answer is yes. God knows you intimately. God knows me intimately. God knows the thoughts that go on in my mind that I wish I could just get rid of. God knows the thoughts that go on in your mind. God knows everything. And yet, God does not simply turn and walk away from us. He's not like us. He's different. He continually invites us in. And so this perspective from God is saying, you know, Moses is looking as we're consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. There's this fear of God which is healthy. It's like, I honor you. I respect who you are. I know who you are. You're different than me. And I need to receive that. Our sin is exposed by God. What I see in this text and in others, so think about Moses for a minute. Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Genesis, he writes the story in Genesis 1 to 3 of Adam and Eve, of the fall. I think that's part of what's shaping this here. Because he says we see our sins. And he says in verse 11, if only we knew the power of your anger, then we would turn and face you. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. So respect, honor. So when I look at Genesis 1 to 3, there's a choice. When our sins are exposed, what do we do with those? Like, how do we then go and face God? And I appreciate, Tyson, some of the songs that we sang, all of the songs, but the songs particularly that forced us to say, hey, I surrender. I, I get down on my knees. Why? Because there's this God that we honor. This God that we worship. This God who's far above us that we will never fully understand. And yet he calls us to come to him. So in Genesis 1 to 3, we see Adam and Eve, and they, they're in the garden, and when they do the wrong thing, as in they sin, and they eat of the fruit when they're told they weren't supposed to do so, what happens? Does God reject them? No. What would happen? Before this, God would come every single day, and it says in the evening he would come and they would spend time together. Just talk. Be together. Well, they eat the fruit, they sin, they walk away from God, they go the other direction. What happens to humanity? They turn and walk away in shame and hide. They hid themselves. They were afraid of God. They were afraid and because they, they looked at each other and went, now we're filled with shame. And I would suggest to us this morning that there's, we have an option when we look at God and we recognize who we are. We, we have two options. We can turn away from God and continue to live in shame. Or we can turn toward God and accept His forgiveness and live in the power of the Holy Spirit provided by God for us. It's our choice. We can choose either way. And God allows us that. 
And in, in Genesis 1 to 3, God provides clothing for them to cover them. And I believe that's a wonderful uh, picture of God's provision that is completed in Jesus Christ on the cross. And that's why we're going to celebrate communion today, because it reminds us of what Jesus has done for us. So this, Moses is reminding us as he's writing this psalm, and he's, this would be a song they would have sung to remind them of what's going on, to fear God, to respect Him, to honor Him, to know who He is, to see Him as the Creator, as the sustainer of life. So there's this God perspective that we need to have. Then there's a perspective from humans in verses 9 and 10, where it says, All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. So here's, he's giving us, Moses writing this, and he's writing it as this perspective. Now that wasn't, Moses lived to be 120. So in the midst of this, he's over 80 when he's writing this, but he's watching, and he says, normally this is sort of the lifespan that we're seeing, 70 or 80 years. So those of you who are over 80 here this morning, or watching online, you have bonus years, right? Do you see them as bonus? Maybe not so much. You might say, really? I don't know if I want bonus years. Uh, they're hard, right? And, he, and it's clear here. It says these are, these are difficult, right? Uh, my, the days just go. I finish our years with a moan. I'm watching, Brett and I both have our parents. They're still alive. We're watching them age. It's, aging is not easy. It's hard. Uh, but there's this perspective that we need to understand, that we suffer and struggle. And so Moses is pointing us to this human perspective. This is what we see, trouble and sorrow. And it goes by fast. Some of you who are younger say life doesn't go by fast enough. And some of you who are older, like life has gone by way too fast. I wish it would slow down. Our days are numbered. How are we to live life? with all of this perspective. See, now Moses, I believe, sort of gets to how do we do this? What does it look like for us to live in this moment? So if you, so far in this message, you felt like, Pastor Reg, this is really a downer. We're going to get to the good stuff. I mean, the good stuff is at the beginning and now is here at the end, where our preservation, Moses says, our preservation is found in God. It's found in God. So if, you, if you're wondering, if you're struggling in life, this is where you turn to see that our time is limited and to use it wisely. Verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Uh, I like this idea of what a lot can happen in a day. Right? A lot can happen in a day. In a day, you can go from being two to potentially being three or four. You have a baby. And all of a sudden there's one more life. You can, in one day, you can have an argument and a fight with somebody and you can break relationship. So bad stuff can happen and good stuff can happen all in a day. So what's, the, what's he encouraging us to do? Keep our perspective on God and understand that our preservation is in God. So it, we're saying, God, I hope you would help me to number my days, to keep track of the time, and to use it wisely. Use my time wisely. The idea of daily. So when you or I get up in the morning, what do we say? This is the day, I say, this is the day the Lord has made. 
I will rejoice and be glad in it. I start with that. And then, God, I don't know what you're bringing me today. I, I may have a plan. I may have a schedule. I may have everything written out. And then I need to be flexible and say, God, what is it you have for me? Paul in 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. The wisdom that we need comes in Jesus Christ. When you have a relationship with Jesus, he helps to focus and guide and direct your daily steps into the places where you can go. Verse 12. In verse 13, Moses calls out to God for his compassion, where he says, relent. He's looking at all this forward stuff, and he just says, God, would you stop? How long? And then here's the ask, have compassion on us. We'd just be a compassionate God. And God says yes to that. Listen to what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 55, 7, where he said, Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. God is compassionate and patient and not willing that any should perish, as Peter said but that all would turn to God in repentance. That's, that's God's posture toward us. This morning as I was reading, as I do uh, every morning, I was reading in Second Chronicles, talked about Hezekiah, two kings, Hezekiah and then his son Manasseh. Hezekiah was a good king. He started out great. He restored Judah back to God. He restored the temple worship. And yet at the end of his reign, he had become proud. God had blessed him and blessed him and blessed him, and he became proud. And he ended his reign somewhat poorly. He became prideful, and God called him on it. And then at the very end, he turned back to God. His son Manasseh becomes king, and Manasseh starts out really poorly. He just brings in everything, every god you can possibly imagine, to the point where he's sacrificing his children in the fire. Awful, gross, horrid. And yet at the end of his life, so he's taken... From, Israel, from Judah, he's taken into captivity, and then he repents. He gets down on his knees and says, I have messed up. What's God's response? Oh, you got what you deserved. No. He brings him back, and he finishes his reign, and he ends well. That's always our hope. Always our hope. That God gathers us toward himself, no matter what's going on, we can go in a different direction. He can call us. He is calling you. He is calling me to continually face him, to receive him. God is merciful and compassionate. He pardons freely. Verse 14 talks about receive God's unfailing love. So again, he's now he's, he's focusing on all of this bad stuff that's happened. Now like, look here. Satisfy in the morning with your unfailing love that we, we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. So even in the midst of this darkness, it's like, you know what? When we turn and look toward God, he's going to give us his unfailing love. In Psalm 73, the psalmist uh, David writes, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Just to say, God, you are it. When I get to really, really hard days, and I have those, believe it or not. You know, pastors, we have hard days. I don't know if you believe that or not. You think, oh, no, you guys are having a great life. It's just easy. It's like, no, I'm, t I'm sorry to tell you this. That is not the world I live in. 
Uh, so I have hard days. What do I do in those hard days? I just, you know what? It brings me to my knees before God. That's all it does. I'm just like, God, I can't do this. I can't do this. But you can. You can. You've called me to lead in this time. God provides what we need. When life is hard, that's when our dependence on God should grow even stronger. That's when we turn to Him and He provides. In verse 15, He provides joy. Even in pain and struggle, God provides joy. It doesn't say happiness, just based on circumstance. It's joy, which is this deep-rooted sense of purpose and direction and just a sense of gladness that's not found in my circumstance. Paul writes in Romans 6, verse 4, We are therefore buried with Him, Christ, through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That is what God wants to provide us, a new life. When we're at the end of our rope, here's the new life. It's found in joy. Even in winter, when we're in the middle of winter, the dark time, we look forward to spring. We anticipate, we know what the seasons are. I would suggest to us we need to understand the seasons, not just the physical seasons, but there are seasons in our life. There are seasons even in the church. And in those seasons, we need to turn to God and say, God, even in the midst of this season, you are here and you're providing and we are going to turn and we're going to face you. So this, this evening, very spontaneously, so I don't know if you're allowed to do spontaneous things here or not, but I, I, I call up a spontaneous, I did a call, and the call is we're going to meet tonight. If you can, if you can't, that's fine. I encourage you to pray, but tonight I'm calling us as a church to meet together at 7 o'clock. We're going to meet here in the lounge. However many of you come, if the lounge is too small, we'll go somewhere else. Um, but we're going to just meet, spontaneous meeting for prayer from 7 until 8, or until 7 we're going to start and we're going to finish when God's done with us. So if you can join us tonight, that would be great. So that was a spontaneous call. If I get emails about being spontaneous, I'm okay with that. Uh, there's a perspective here now from Moses that we see at the very end of this text. There's a long view of God's design in verses 16 and 17. In verse 16, he talks about showing him, showing his deeds and his splendor to the children. You see, God is seen and known. We can point to him in creation, but we also know and we see him in our own lives. We see him in us when we open our eyes to say, God, how are you seeing me? At Forest Grove Community Church, one of your key statements is transformation in Jesus Christ. God is doing a work of transformation. This morning we celebrated with a young lady here at church because God has healed her of cancer. Yeah, let's celebrate that. God's healed her of cancer. Did it through our physicians. But God healed her and she's celebrating with us. And we're celebrating with her. That may not be your place. You may be going through a dark time, but God is still present, and He still wants you, and you can see Him, and you can know Him. In verse 17, Moses requests the favor of God. He asks for God's favor. He asks for a prayer for God to answer. May the favor 
of our Lord rest. And Lord, would your favor rest on us? And we gather tonight to pray. I would, I would hope and pray that, Lord, would your favor rest on us? Would your favor rest on us? I, that's not where we're going to start to pray tonight. We're going to start where we've been singing this morning. We surrender ourselves to God first. We say, God, we want to do what you want us to do. We want to follow you where you want us to go. And then we ask for your favor on us as we're walking in the direction you've called us to go. And finally, in verse 17, our work is proven by God. Our work, your work, my work is important to God. Not just in the church, but where you work. This could be a whole sermon in itself. But the idea of our work is important where Moses says, establish the work of our hands for us. And I don't think this is a selfish thing. It's like when you establish the work of our hands, it's actually pointing people toward God. So in, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor is not in vain. So I don't care what job you do, whatever you're doing, you're doing it for the Lord. Every kind of work can be God's work because God has placed you in that work environment and is saying, what, what are you gonna, how are you going to live out your life? And so I would say as I read this, like establish the work of my hands, Lord. Establish the work of my hands. Establish our, the work of our hands as a Forest Grove Community Church. Establish what God wants to do through us and in us in this time. Let's go. How do, we, how do I close this? Well, let me give you some questions to ponder, some of the sort of what I call my now what. I thought I could, I could really soften that and go, my, our response. But I really think, now what? What are you going to do with this? Like, every time I go to church and I listen to somebody else preach, it's like, what am I doing with whatever that guy said or gal said? What am I going to do with this? And so I'm, gonna, I'm asking you some questions today. Just say, what do you think about this? How, where's God speaking to you this morning? So the questions are simply, what have you heard today that might change your perspective on life? For some of you, it might be God actually knows what my life is like. I didn't think he did. And he cares. And he cares. Perspective on life might be, as you're older, might be, life's hard. And I'm going to pass away. And it's, I'm struggling. I know I saw a note this week, we have somebody who's been attending our church who's in hospice right now, and he's ready to meet Jesus, doesn't mean the journey is easy, and so we walk with people, we care for them, uh, we love them in those moments. So what have you heard today that might change your perspective on life? Secondly, what struggles am I going through that I can take to God today? So often we carry our own burdens, and God says, no, no, cast your cares on me. Jesus said, take my yoke on you, it's light. Basically he's saying, take that heavy yoke off, and I'll give you one that's lighter, an easier one, because it's mine. What struggles are you going through that you could take to God today? And, and then where am I investing my life for God's purpose? Where am I saying, hey, God... I really want you to establish the work of my hands in this. Where, where am I investing my life for God's purpose? And then this morning as we close, what is my ask of God today? What would you ask God for today? Would you ask Him for something? You know, sometimes we're too shy. We think, oh, I could never ask God, but you know what? We really need to ask. 
He wants us to ask. He's a good father. He's waiting for us to ask him. To come to him and say, yes, I love it when you come and ask me for things. I know personally, I, I, have a, I love praying for the church and I love praying for people. I'm really bad about asking God for things for me. Because sometimes I just think I'm being selfish. And I'm not saying I'm asking for, you know, give me a brand new car. Those are things I don't ask for. I, God says, I'll provide for you. And I'm like, yes, you'll provide whatever I need. I'm not looking for anything like that. But often my prayers are, God, I need you to touch my heart. I need you to remove some besetting sin in my life. That's my asks. So I don't know, what are you asking God for today? Let's pray together. I'm going to invite you just to bow your heads, be quiet. We're going to have communion in just a moment. But this is a time when I, I want you to think through some of these questions. And if you want to invest with God a little bit deeper, go to the discussion questions that are on our website. Spend some time in that this week with someone by yourself. What have you heard today that would change your perspective? What struggles can I take to God? What, how am I investing my life? What's my ask of God today? Oh, Father, this morning as we are in your presence, you are here with us. Your Holy Spirit is here because we're here Lord, we've read this wonderful psalm that Moses wrote as they were in the wilderness. Lord, I pray that the reality of this life, the honesty of that we see here would actually resonate with us today. Father, I pray that we would be people who come and ask Lord, if there are those here this morning who don't have a relationship with you, who don't know you, who are struggling with who you are, Lord, I pray that your Spirit would be here to speak to them and lead them toward yourself. Call them to you. Lord, that is your heart. You are patient. You are loving. You are kind. You are gracious. At the same time, you are also holy and just and righteous. And we know that we're not those things. And so we come to you. Father, we thank you that you are the one who has provided Jesus, your son, to come to this earth, the very embodiment of who you are. He revealed your heart, how he loved and cared for people, how he spoke your truth, how he provided grace. And then in the end, how he went to the cross and died for us died because of our sinfulness, but died because he loved us, because you love us. Thank you that he rose again. He rose again so that everyone in this room and those who are watching online, everyone in this world has the opportunity to have new life in you, to have our lives transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, as we take communion today, we're reminded of what you've done for us. And we give you thanks. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen.